0: And good afternoon. It's 4 o'clock. Thanks for tuning in to CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located here in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, and this is Finding a Voice. A spoken word airing here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. And we do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. And coming up on the show today in the first hour. From the June 29th, 5th and final session of the first day of the three-day annual poetry festival called Poets at Art Fest 5, you'll hear a reading by Honey Novick. Moving then into the second day of the festival, you'll hear a reading, a reading by me and then a reading uh, by Elizabeth Green in the first full round that day. And in the second hour, uh, from again the June 30th, first full session of the festival. You'll hear readings by Carol Tenbrink and Susan Gillis. And then following them from the second session and first reading there, you'll hear a reading by John Steffler. This, though, first, the usual hourly announcement. Occasionally some poetry, spoken word, or music played on this show may contain strong language, but it's all played in its entirety with content unedited to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. So to begin and as we begin what will for the most part consume this show is still for the next several weeks or at least a few weeks and uh, already a few weeks into it uh, you'll hear today again the final reading from the first day and then the beginning uh readings from the second day and let's go ahead and I should mention as well the festival is three day festival is tied to the much larger art fest kingston 2019 three-day art, uh, artist festival as well so first today and again was the final poet in the first day and the fifth and final session that day here is honey Novick. get me set up here there we go and up next our last poet of the day honey Novick, is a singer songwriter voice teacher poet and the author of eight CDs and nine poetry books, most recently *Undefeated uh, Radiance* relevance. relevance. I can't. I need my glasses. I know. I know. I know. Published by Flowertopia Studio, 2018. She was a recipient recipient in the 2018 Canada 150 Outstanding Neighbor. Neighbors Award and two-time awardee of the Dr. Rivera or Reba? Reba. Gernstein <laughs> Legacy Fund for Voice Yoga. Her poetry and songs have been translated and published in Greek, Japanese, Spanish, and Urdu. Her poem, Who is an Indigenous Woman, was requested by the Ontario Native Women's Association and used in a report to the Ontario government, drawing attention to murder and missing indigenous women. Her tone poem, I'm Mad, Make a Difference, will be presented at the Ontario Institute for Studies and Education. She's sung tributes to Leonard Cohen and Austin Clark with George Elliot Clark. And in November, she will help pay tribute to Joe Rosenblatt on one occasion, and will perform in tribute to Sophie Tucker, last of the Red Hot Mamas on another. Let's bring up Honey Novak, thank you.
1: talking about me, right? Anyway, I I don't even know what to say except this is so phenomenal. It's such an honor to be here. And so much I want to say to you, but let me, uh, I have friends here that I've known for decades, and I have friends here that I feel I'm just meeting, you know, that because the time is right. So, having said that, let me introduce myself to the ones that don't know me. Um, in in the, I mean, okay. So you all know I'm accomplished. Big deal. Um, this is the deal. Uh, I I am here in front of you because once upon a time. I wanted to be heard. It was that simple. And I didn't know who to talk to. I mean, people, you know, uh, I had such a hard time. I'm, I'm, uh, I call myself misunderstood. And this is the truth. When I was in my early 20s, there was a contest. I live in Toronto, in the Toronto sun. And they were, this comedy writer was looking for Miss Wright. And I decided I'm going to enter and tell him it would never be me because I'm misunderstood. I actually won, and uh, (laughs) what I won was a steak dinner. And I'm a vegetarian, so that goes to show, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Okay, so because I wanted to to be heard. I expressed myself through song, and then when I began to age, uh, I wanted to make sure that I still could communicate, and so I decided to write. I would start off writing songs, and then my songs... I'm mentored by the late Irving Layton who told me that my songs are songs, <laughs> they're not poems. Oh man, that was interesting. So anyway, I wrote. I caught the attention of several people, and um, I guess to make a really long story short, I my my writing was read by really. I don't know what I would do without you, Bruce. Sorry to you know to put you on the spot like this, but you know I'm I'm profoundly appreciative that you see value in what I have to say, because I'm not a contest winner, I'm just an accomplished person, you know, Um, so to have somebody read and then feel that other people should read my work, Bruce. Now... In November 2017, I lost three friends in a matter of several weeks, and so it kind of bummed me out until the beginning of 2018 when I had to either, you know, get off the pot and do something with my life. So I compiled poetry, and I sent it out, and nobody was interested. And then I don't know how this happened, but Kathy and I started corresponding, and I just, out of the clear blue, I said, would you publish my... Po-? And she said yes. And it was such a pleasure doing this project, and I called it Undefeated Relevance, because it was... Uh, something that I was grappling with that could have easily defeated me. Um, And that was relevant to me. So now Kathy is partnered with Dallas Bader, who I lived with in a kind of, what did they call it, like a hippie commune or something, was that right? (coughs) Yeah, there was a lot of us. (laughs) And and we've been friends like for 50 years. And here we are again, it's magnificent. And we fought for the legalization, the decriminalization for marijuana, never believing it would actually ever happen at this level. Um, I don't know if any of you were here earlier, but uh, Dallas wrote a book of poetry called The Poetry of Pot. I can't show it to you because it's not here. Okay, I think I've spoken enough. Um, Oh, and one other thing you really should know, this is Joan Sutcliffe, the remarkable Joan Sutcliffe. If you read my book, she wrote the afterword in it, but Joan more importantly represents the Ontario Poetry Society. She's dedicated to us as poets. Aside from being my friend, man, I owe you, I owe you. Yes, I do. Um, she's the master poet in my humble opinion. So, having said all that... One more little story. Uh, This is the hardest. So, as um, Bruce told you, I'm a singer, and in addition to the tributes to Austin, the Toronto Reference Library and the auspices of George Eliot Clark it, um, got me to do a tribute to Leonard Cohen, and I needed an accompanist, and the library insisted on a pianist, and I wanted a, somebody to play guitar, but no, they insisted, so, you know, they who pay the piper calls the tune. So I acquiesced, and I had to find an accompanist. And at the age of 69, I attracted into my life the most profoundly impressive human being I would even dare to dream to encounter. And it was awkward for me, you know, I'm I'm of a, how shall we say, I'm in my dotage. You know, and this was an incredibly interesting young man that inspired me to write poetry. And the first one that I wrote was as a result of um, the death of Mary Oliver. My friends and I decided to write a poem when she died in January. So this is based uh, on a conversation with N.G. as a tribute to Mary Oliver. Loneliness. He asked me about loneliness. Mine, a mantle worn by an only child. His, a failure of a once familial man. Yes, my loneliness is where uh, I paint the words of my imagination. It allows me to hear the languages floating in traffic through the boughs of the trees, in electric wires among people's voices, through hissing pipes and gurgling toilet plumbing. What's loneliness? We are never alone. We hear symphonies and thunder. We bear witness to species born and dying. We cleave to dreams unrealized and hopes to be found. We see the prophet's words come true and feel the despair of the damned. Loneliness in the end is never alone. We walk fast by ourselves, but we walk far together. Who we walk with is determined by the company we seek. So anyway. There was that. And then it got followed up with um, this one. Kintsugi. Does Does everybody know that word? It's in the Japanese language, kintsugi. So it'll explain it. It's an incredible concept. Kintsugi. I will gather the bits of my fragmented thoughts and somehow glue them together with gold like the centuries-old Japanese porcelain art form, kintsugi. Shards held together with flowing gold, making the cup different and better and far more beautiful. Flowing gold hardening, connecting each shard, forming new, touching the broken, loving it, knowing it has its own value. To be in the presence of such divinity is to feel is to be alive, is to care, is to ask to be cared for, is to be open to once again be broken. So, all right. Anyway, I'm not used to romance poems because I'm, I'm kind of political. And uh, what can I tell you? So, as I said, in 2017, I lost three friends, and uh, I sent this to Bruce, and this is is the result of that. It starts off with, in a fearful world, a smile is an act of revolution. So that was my kind of mantle. In a fearful world, a smile is an act of revolution, and it really is, especially on the Toronto subway system. No, it's true. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, Joan and I were talking um, on the way here about the uh, fact, we were listening to uh, the Beatles. Anyway. This is for Yoko Ono, and I'll read you the ending beforehand. In 2016, Yoko Ono sent a call for submissions to women all over the world to participate in an art show called Rising. We were asked to only photograph our eyes. With the photo, we were to put our names and country of residence at the bottom of a story we were to write on our own Rising. Those chosen would be included in the project at the Reykjavik Art Museum in Iceland. My piece was included. As a Girl, for Yoko Ono. As a little girl, I was harmed by the pedophile living next door. He enticed all the little girls to come watch TV. TV was a phenomenon at that time. I was told not to tell because good girls don't tell. I didn't tell, I was a good girl, but the bad girl on the other side of the street told her mother and her mother called the police. My mother hit me for not telling her and then telling me I will forget about this one day. I never have. As a girl, I was taught to behave, ankles crossed, dress hem, hem over the knees, don't get dirty, but I didn't cross my ankles, I wore pants and I loved the feel of dirt on my hands. As a young woman with breasts developing, men and some women assumed they could touch me without my permission, and I would be generous. I wasn't, and became shrewish. As a buxom woman, conversations quite often were and still are addressed to my chest. Once, a young man pulled my bra back strap. I turned and grabbed his privates. He left me alone after that. I am exactly,
2: exactly, exactly one bitch to another! (laughs) <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, dear.
1: oh man I don't even know if I can finish this <laughs> oh that's so funny okay get ready for the chorus I'm damaged but not broken I am hopeful I have risen from despair and found hope I have gained strength and kindness I am resilient and caring I know I am different I respect me and have found ways to try to respect those who try to take me for granted. I am an arising warrior, mouthy, smart, articulate, fun, trustworthy, kind. I am arising. I are, I sing. So that was for her uh, wonderful project. Um, How much time do I have? Because I have no sense of time. So how much is that? Like in terms of what So two poems? You know what I'll do? I'll give you snippets. I'll give you snippets. So Bruce talked about the, the poem for that was done for the Ontario Native Women's uh, Association. Who is an indigenous woman? I am who? I am her. I am who is she. She juts out her chin, pointing the way forward. It is cold and dark, but she needs to get where she needs to be. Yes, it is scary, but when there is no car, bus, train, and all she has is her thumb, she has to use it. She is there on the road, right for the pickings, and she wants to be picked up, if she's a hitchhiker. She wants to walk freely, if she's on foot. She is brave and fearless and vulnerable. She knows the road is rife with predators, but she needs to get where she's going and on the wisp of the wind, she throws her fate to the unknown and goes. With beautiful (coughs) black eyes that reflect the moon, black satin hair that capture moonbeams, she looks out at the world not so familiar. To survive, she had to quash the sound of her heart beating, drum beating. She had to forget her language. Maybe it was Cree and she would call the others Keshegesh, greedy guts. So she had to develop a code, like politeness, not really. Maybe she needed milk or water because when she turned on the tap and brown water spewed, she didn't want to be poisoned. They shared the river, she, her people and the uranium mine. They poisoned the water with their waste. Maybe she just wanted a good time. We all want a good time. Why should she be punished for it? Yes, she is a survivor. She championed a will to live, beating the genocide thrust on her people, yet to the Keshegesh, she was dispensable. And so she struck out on her own, somewhere in her blood, she remembered. She remembered Wendigo, the spirit, and knew she couldn't escape her own fate her own spirit. She who championed those who relegated her to disposition, dispossession and violence and knew that law enforcement looked the other way. She is resilient and dignified and ethereal, humane, spiritually exquisite. If we look hard enough, we see it. When we look hard enough, we are ashamed. She who is us, is goading us. Remember, remember, I am more than a statistic. I am she who is an indigenous woman. Wear orange for me. Wear a red dress as in redress. Murdered and missing but never forgotten. With special appreciation to Buffy St. Marie, who inspired a lot of this writing and taught the words Keshe and Wendidaw. Let's
0: give her another hand. That was Honey uh, Novick in the fifth section of the first day of the three-day Poets at Art Fest Five Festival, that was held on June 29th. And again, the final poet of the first day. I do have to apologize to her and you. There was a final poem uh, that uh, did not just had an issue with the recording, so something went wrong, and so uh, I didn't feel comfortable airing it uh, the way it was. So it just. Uh, Something happened. I i don't even know. So anyway, um, my apologies especially to her because there was one extra poems that day. So now what we do, we'll move into the beginning of the second day and in a very short it was a Sunday morning, so a shorter morning session, uh I decided uh it might just be a good spot uh to uh Launch uh, my latest collection of poetry and uh, use that as my reading uh, as uh, part of the art fest this year. So, what you're going to hear at first is Michael Castiles, who wrote this uh, quite, uh, I thought, uh, quite touching uh, introduction as, and to bring me up to the stage. So, here is Michael Castiles, and then again, my reading. And then you can just do whatever you're going to do and I'm actually going to start listening to (laughs) you.
2: Okay. Hi there, everybody.
3: We're going to uh, get the book launch started in just a minute or two, so if you'd like to grab a seat, if you are not sitting, or find the spot where you'd like to stand. So i just like to start out by thanking you all for coming out this morning. It's great to see so many friends and peers and writing comrades here to support the launch of Bruce Kaufman's new collection of poems, An Evening Absence, Still Waiting for Moon. The reading itself is going to be about 15 minutes, but the event runs until 11.30 just to allow time for mingling and chatting afterwards. So I'd like to thank Don from Novel Idea for being here to sell copies of Bruce's book. Um, Other books that are here in the tent uh, are available but directly through the author or I think through Bruce, you can pay him and then he'll pass that money along to the author afterwards. So I'm truly honored to MC this morning's event. Having been introduced by Bruce at so many open mics and poetry reading over the years, I'm grateful to be on this side introducing Bruce. Though it's true that Bruce Kaufman really needs no introduction, if you're a writer and you live in Kingston, you're already his friend, whether you've met him or not.
2: <laughs> Bruce
3: is a self proclaimed doorman, but I say he is also a door through which we step into a room full of everyone who is gathered here this morning. Bruce is a synapse in the city's brain, for he creates connections between you and I and the person nearest you. Bruce utilizes the sparks that our connections create. He is a magnet that attracts poets, who are basically just magnets that attract poetry. If you see Bruce, then there are other poets nearby, reading, or writing, or meeting for the first time, and somewhere close, you'll find a travel mug, half full of black coffee. If you're trying to find a voice, Bruce is a flashlight. And when you find it, if you like, he'll become a megaphone to broadcast your voice to the world. Bruce Kaufman is a willow tree. He is sandals in November. Bruce is a tap on your shoulder, and when you turn around, he isn't even there.
2: <laughs>
3: and beyond all that, Bruce Kaufman is a poet himself. A poet that pens long to be held by for his pens are never taken for granted. He is an observer of the world, and an observer of the worlds that exist inside this world, and the worlds that exist inside each of these. Bruce's poems, his ink on a page, are his way of sharing those worlds within worlds within worlds with us. At 76 pages, an evening of absence still waiting for a moon, isn't a long book of poems but it is very deep. It's a book you'll want to read slowly, for the poems themselves are meditations on moments and the space between moments. To see Bruce's poems on a page, the careful placement of language, the deliberate intention of every space, the clarity of word without punctuation, is to hear Bruce's voice reading in the back of your head. These poems will slow you down and offer you a glimpse of the ineffable. You'll consider breath and shadow, echo and magic, memory and silence. Secreted within the pages of this book, Bruce asks and answers the age-old question, How many poets does it take to change a light bulb? I'm not going to tell you the answer now, as that would be cheating, but I will give you a hint. We are all a part of it. And I'm thrilled that we're all a part of this morning, this launch. I'm thrilled that we all have the chance to listen and observe and absorb some of these poems, some of these worlds within worlds within worlds, And now, I'd like to welcome Bruce up to read from an evening absence, still waiting for Moon, to share those worlds with us.
0: Thank you, Michael, for those incredible words. Thank you. And I'd like to thank all of you for coming out this morning, so this is very heart-touching thanks. Would also like to thank Don for coming to help out making this uh, very easy. So thank you for that. And even uh, Writers Fest for five years ago, or not Writers Fest, Kingston Art Art Fest Kingston, oh my God. (laughs) Hopefully I can read better than I can talk. But Art Fest Kingston for five years ago, um, having faith that this could be something and now having this venue for 56 poets. Again this year, wonderful poets coming in to read. uh, and uh, So thank you. What I'd uh, like to do before I read from the book, though, is uh, my favorite poet uh, died on March 15th, W.S. Merwin, and it struck me deeply. And I wrote a number of pieces to work myself through that. And I'd like to share one. And it is in response to uh, one of his single-line poems. And that poem of his was called Elegy, and the poem itself was Who Would I Show It To? And so this poem of mine is called 4 W.S. Merwin. I don't have a massive poetry library, but still well over 200 books, all arranged alphabetically by author, nearly two dozen of them Merwins. This morning, after having learned last night of his death, I rearranged the bookshelf, created an upper space on the top shelf right side, and pulled his books from their spot, placed them there, added my two books of his prose, and they sit as if shining above all the rest. A memorial of sorts, an elegy. And since it is this weekend, uh, the poem, first poem I'll read from the book is called Canada. I've sat on both sides of the river under two flags, each accepting but claiming not the other, the earth claiming neither, both. I once the foreigner here, the expatriate, the resident now, but claiming allegiance only to world and self, with no sense of estrangement. Yet, here there is a difference, a softer texture, a quieter voice, a more gentle heart. I am certain that 10,000 years from today, as they dig up the fossils of our lives on each side, they will notice the softness of those here and will wonder why. Near the end, near the end I will remember none of this and in that time we'll ask forgiveness for the forgetting, even then not knowing what was lost. But in the enveloping darkness and its wave of infinite silence, realizing, realizing, that surely something was. When asked on your road to silence, when asked to write about a glass bowl of fruit on a table, write instead about soil and sky, moisture and roots, about mica and heat and form, about diminishing forest, fallen and severed tree. When commanded alternately then to write about simply an idea of a glass bowl of fruit on a table, write instead about ambivalence, self-serving manifestation, eco-ignorance, and fragmented truth. When demanded then after to write about the theory of a glass bowl of fruit on a table, write instead about passive and silent observation, about the unfathomable distance between sight or sound and pen or thought or heart about the endless soft and image-laden utterings in the fullness of silence, and then about the faltering and failing life of word, and the ever and ultimate simplicity and audaciousness of language. On learning, How many days or weeks or years, decades even, does it take for us to learn a single thing, a lifetime perhaps, and that then carried out the last door as we leave. And in that echo and dust ricocheting and settling after, behind, comes the new life the ever-next generations arriving in their newer flesh and they at birth listening to and then softly whispering back the first few words of an echo heard. Pulse. It is not that staccato heartbeat within as much as it is that steady, symphonic, metered rhythm of shared heartbeat between. Light snow. Snow. Silent. Gently falling, dancing, catching the low light of street lamps. It wears that light to the ground then sleeps on two sides of silence. Insulation. How to insulate myself from the noise of the day, from the echoing shouts of history. How to distance myself from the pompousness of logic the world never becoming deaf to that noise two men sit beside me in their too loud too long too proud conversations between the pages of their newspapers newspapers only telling them what happened yesterday while a new morning away from this is spinning outside already already weaving itself in the still color and fullness of what it is becoming. It has lost them. They are lost to it. Tomorrow morning, with their papers in hand, they will read about a short remnant of a single small thread of the full blanket of this day. And they will look up from their papers they will talk about it loudly and long and tell themselves that they know while a new day outside is weaving its new threads into a curtain to protect itself from them. And I hope you can stay around this afternoon. There are going to be 16 wonderful poets reading this afternoon. And uh, with that, thank you for your attention here. I'm going to read my last two poems. Gardens. Again, this morning, that faint sound you always hear in this place. Elevated just slightly to your right, you'll notice again the same small, well-tilled garden you see each day on your walk past. You will believe you know it well, and you do. The same rows of tulips, the intermittent batches of daisies, chrysanthemums, small ferns, and other bushes for which you have no name. The occasional small bunny you've seen quite often, but never enough. The squirrels, the chipmunks, the bees hovering above, and and that same faint as if musical, but haunting sound you always hear as you pass. A sound unique you cannot describe. And this, the only place you've ever heard it, you ever hear it still. In that small garden behind. That sound willows from behind and below. And there, at the edge of that small and hidden garden, a simple mother robin stands and watches silent as beside her on the ground her dead fledgling sings. Thank you.
3: So thanks again everybody for coming and uh, like we mentioned Novel Idea is on site to sell books, buy books, get Bruce to sign them, and uh, we've got the space until like 11.30, 11.45. At 12 o'clock, the next readings start, and there's going to be Carol Tenbrick, Sandra Davies, Elizabeth Green, Susan Gillis, and then uh, I think the calendar for the events is over there, and uh, stick around if you can. Thanks again.
0: And you just heard uh, with uh, Michael Castiles as host uh, and uh, his introduction and then uh, f- closing f- comments at the end, you heard my reading sandwich between in uh, a late Saturday morning session of the second day of the three-day Poets at Art Fest 5 Poetry Festival. Again, this was held on Sunday, June 30th tell you what we should probably do this first and then I'll be right back
4: Friday evenings at 6pm here on CFRC listen to Saltwater Music a show covering all musical genres from the east coast of Canada, Celtic of course but also rock, jazz, blues folk and a lot more I'm your host Rob Carnell, tune in to Saltwater Music Friday evening from 6 to 8 here on CFRC 101.9FN or you can catch us on the web at www.cfrc.ca. And for our listeners out east, that's 7 p.m. Atlantic and 7.30 Newfoundland.
5: Since 1922, CFRC Radio has been the campus and community radio station for Queens and Kingston, Ontario. CFRC is both listener supported and listener created radio, bringing both music and spoken word content to our community on 101.9 FM and around the world on CFRC.ca.
3: Support locally created media. Learn more at CFRC.ca.
1: Do you like waffles? Do you like waffles on a Saturday morning?
5: Do you like things that are good and dislike things that are bad? Then you should listen to Waffles. Every Saturday morning on CFRC 101.9 FM from 8 a.m. until 10 a.m.
1: Everybody likes waffles.
5: I'm David Suzuki. The average lunch or dinner travels 2,400 kilometers to get to your table. Eating
0: local means combating global warming. The future is on your table.
3: Eat your way to a healthier planet. Find out how at davidsuzuki.org. And you are listening
0: to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. We do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. So let's go ahead and jump back into the the first full afternoon session in in that second day of the three-day Poets and Art Fest 5 Poetry Festival on June 30th. Up next in it uh, from that session... You're going to hear Elizabeth Green. Up next, Elizabeth Green has published three collections of poetry, most recently understories with Anna in 2014 and a novel, A Season Among Psychics uh, with Anna again in 2018. Her poems have been recently published in Juniper, an online journal, the Glass Poetry website, Tamaracks. Canadian uh, poetry for the 21st century and a forthcoming, and our forthcoming in an anthology. Well, it's actually here now. Inspired Heart for Teens and in a tarot anthology. Her poem is about what it's about? The Hierophant. Hierophant. Uh, she has edited and introduced The Dowager Empress, selected poems of Adele Wiseman, which will appear from Inanna this fall. The poems uh, she will read this afternoon are from our current manuscript. No Ordinary Days. Let's bring up Elizabeth Green. Well,
2: Thank
6: you. Thank you for coming, especially after Bruce's splendid launch. And Carol, that was a wonderful reading. It's it's hard to follow. Uh, It's a hard act to follow. uh, And I'm also very glad to be reading. Well, I, I don't read like that. <laughs> anyway, and and, um, and I'm glad to be reading with Susan Gillis, whose work I admire so much. Okay, so so I'm going to read three poems. Um, we Oh okay. Le- Thank you. Yeah, let let me know if you can't hear me. Thank you. And two two of these are pretty untried, so I'm you know, i probably feel apologetic. So um, we want to hear. <laughs> I should pass the book around. So, <laughs> no, Sam, no, Sam. So, so the first poem is called Hating Poetry, and it's the only poem I wrote for Sylvia Legree's poetry colloquium last year at St. Peter's Abbey. Um, I was lucky enough to be accepted into this poetry colloquium, but I, I was unlucky enough that the edits for my novel arrived the day before I flew to Saskatchewan it, that was like May 5th the launch was May 24th I didn't have much choice so I you know so I um, I imbibed the vibe but this this poem I wrote before when I wasn't deep in novel edits um, and we we'd read one book on hating poetry and one book on why poetry and I didn't think either of them quite got it but then this is so short that it probably doesn't get it either and, you know, and let me know if you can't hear. Okay, hating poetry I too dislike it that's from Marianne Moore's um, poem poetry very well known and the last um, lines of the poem are from that poem too Okay, I didn't hate it, I couldn't read it The words stood on the page. Black iron gates closed to me. The simplest lines were puzzles I couldn't solve. Was it death or God or love? I panicked. I knew this was the end of being good at school. From now on, I'd have to take the long road round, work from failure, persist. I never thought there might be some connection between my mother's rage and my confusion about poetry. I never thought her flus, illness, anger might be symptoms of malignancy. She kept herself alive for 20 years by sheer will, partly so I wouldn't be orphaned as a teen as she had been. She never read much poetry. At college, two years later, I walked under flowering crabs Words snapped into place, the gates opened. I walked through into poems, Hopkins, Dylan Thomas, Marianne Moore. I know what she meant by I too dislike it, but I also understand. Imaginary gardens with real toads in them. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, thank you. And this, this is from um, the book that Bruce Kaufman just edited an inspired Heart for Teens. So, you know, since I had so much trouble reading poetry as a teenager, I thought it was perfect <laughs> for a book for teens. Um, all I
7: think your voice is long. oh Well, I'm only in the first yeah.
6: row. Are Are you? Excellent. It's better. Okay. It better? Okay. Yeah. yeah I know you. these. Thank you so much. Yeah, and Kate, let me know if you can't hear me. I, I was saying these are these are untried poems, and I'm probably feeling apologetic. Hmm? Okay, so this next poem is is um, a multiple ekphrastic poem. It's uh, it's called Who Will Paint Our Age? And just just raise your hand if you can't hear. I I can go louder. Hmm? Um, one at the A.G.O. James Ench- Ensor's beach at Ostend. The sea's calm layers, blue and white, breathe their way to shore. Clouds sail leisurely like celestial sheep. In war, in times beyond the bounds, some artists sink deep like Brancusi in his polished sculpture cry, find meaning in the smooth, the small. Two, Photographs in the news, palms blow sideways, unwilling flags, homes flood, crumple, rubble. Streets fill with turgid water, clouds nightmare dark. In the west, swirling inferno burns trees to ash, green to charcoal, air thick with smoke, sun red at midday, three. Edward Bertinsky calls our age Anthropocene, takes photographs of tar sands scarring the boreal, of bleached coral reefs, of land scooped out for coal. Extractive patterns imposed on earth create a crisis of homelessness. These mines, these blown out mountaintops, these toxic tailings ponds, does time stop? Four, Cathedral Grove in all its leafy, mossy beauty, ends the show. Even a photograph allows deeper breath, homes for birds and deer return to towering trees, unbroken skies, reminder that the age is complex, contains peace as well as ruin. The Anthropocene, weighed, found wanting, but not painted. Five, at the gardener, Ai Weiwei's ceramics show unbroken, marble surveillance camera on a marble plinth. The focal point, six Chinese jars, traditional blue and white, stacked into a pillar tall beyond my stretch, traditional shapes and patterns. But the blue figured paintings on the jars show refugees walking in desert or storm lashed at sea a dragon blowing waves against their open boat another shows a tent city another protesters driven toward barbed wire or shot at by police in this quiet museum in peace and gentle light we see helpless bands of human of humans sun-scorched storm-tossed emblems of our age so that's that's the first time I've read that. You're, you're the first people. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, and this, um, this last one is, is a little more tried out, um, and it's a little closer to home. Um, it appeared in Juniper, not this winter, but last winter. Um, it's Blue Roof Farm Revisited. Some of you have been there and, and met Kim Ondaatje, Michael's ex. <laughs> um, and I did run this poem by by her, and she did correct everything I'd gotten wrong. <laughs> so so, in, so the, the poem may have flaws, but I think they're not flaws of fact. <laughs> okay, okay. This is Blue Roof Farm Revisited. That house will never let her go, says Helen. It hasn't. Kim, 89, bent, silvery, warm brown eyes. Light starting to fall through her, leads us to her long, low kitchen, wood floors scuffed from generations of children and Dalmatians, gone now, the house marking their absence with silence. The large south window frames a perfect picture, towering English walnut, pond, waterfall, red canoe drawn up on land for winter, November bleached stalks and grasses, gardens overgrown, but with bones of care. Close by, jays, bluer than elsewhere, masked chickadees dip to the feeder. Chipmunks, red-tailed squirrels dart along the lawn, disappear behind stalks of dry spent flocks. In winter, deer will crowd round the walnut base, grateful for the food Kim's poured for them. Outside, if you know where to look, you'll find Al Purdy's weeping elm, Roy Cayuca's golden willow, B.P. Nichols' sumacs, Bronwyn's lilacs. Inside, I miss Kim's paintings of factories in winter, of northern hills and brush. They've sold, settled into museums or grander rooms, (coughs) as if they'd always been there one enormous oak not kim's remains spread over the back wall further back small photographs of water drops and ice soft-eyed does snow on their noses bring the outside to an inner hall things are different now says kim the weather's different something's ending or beginning i can't tell which I'm glad for the young people. It will give them chances. In age, blue roof, its work not done, drowses and waits. Thank you. you.
0: Mm-hmm. Is Elizabeth Green. Let's give her another hand. and You just heard Elizabeth Green in the first full session of the afternoon, and I believe it began right at noon, of the second day of the three-day Poets at Art Fest 5 Poetry Festival. And this day was, again, Sunday, June 30th. Uh, I should start to, I'm going to cl- sort of close the hour because I want to save a couple of minutes behind that for... A few announcements, and then we'll just jump right into the second hour. How's that? So I want to say you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are, again, located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, uh, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock, and we do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. I'd like to say I hope you can stay tuned for the second hour today. There are going to be three more readings uh, from the second day, again, of the three-day Poetry Festival uh, that, again, uh, in full ran from June 29th through July 1st. And should mention it, again, is was tied to the larger ArtFest Kingston 2019 Full Artist Festival, uh, I'd like to take a couple of minutes uh, before that uh, we get into that, though. Uh, one other thing I want to mention for uh, events, but uh, one other thing I should mention is to let you know that both hours of my show each week are saved to my blog, Space for it After I get home, remain there for four years at Finding a Voice on com, And we've got a few things going on this week, actually. Uh In its second week, uh, the city of Kingston, uh, and and they're calling it Ontario Street, a vibrant spaces project. Uh, It happens this weekend for, again, the second weekend from August 9th through 11th, and they'll close Ontario Street in that one or two-block length in front of City Hall between it and Confederation Park and uh, use it as a place for a creative placemaking Uh, sort of event and uh, leveraging they say arts and culture to reimagine public spaces part of that is going to be a walking poetry walking tour and writing uh, workshop and that's going to be Jason the Kingston Poet Laureate's uh, Kingston Poets Kingston's geez Bruce Kingston's Poet Laureate uh, Jason Heru is going to lead people both days both saturday and sunday and i'll give you the times here in a second it's uh they're about 90 minute or so sessions uh he's going to uh take people on a poetry path walkabout it's called along Ontario street uh, to discover poetry in unexpected places so and then uh with your notebooks in hand and you'll i come back to that seating area, I guess, in front of City Hall, and uh, we'll be a workshop there. So uh, this going to happen on Saturday, so tomorrow from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m., and will r- happen again on Sunday, uh, August 11th, uh, so two days from now. And that session will begin at 1 p.m. Uh, there is, I'm trying to see... Uh, if you go to Kingston, uh, the City of Kingston page, and uh, start to type in Arts Take Center Stage uh, in a search engine, I'm sure it will take you to that page. Otherwise, it's three lines, and I'm not going to try to read it here. So hopefully you can find it there. Uh, might even be a Facebook uh, post for it as well. Uh, and then also coming up uh, on Sunday evening, uh, book launch, uh, uh, Sherry Huang uh, with uh, Layla uh, uh chismore and uh, Ashley Elizabeth Best uh, will be doing a reading uh, at a Novel Idea Bookstore. Again, that's coming up this Sunday, August 11th. Uh, doors open at 5.30 p.m. because uh, they close earlier on Sunday. Readings will begin at 6. Uh, Sherry will be uh, uh, reading from... Her new book uh, called Love Speech and that's um, published by Mellotron Play- uh, Press and just came out and uh, Layla and Ashley Elizabeth will be reading from their own work. Again, novel idea 156 Princess Street uh, right in Kingston in the corner of uh, Princess and Bagot. So I'm going to leave that for now uh, and uh, it's 5 o'clock so Just going to let you know you're listening again to Finding a Voice, in case you just tuned in, uh, here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. We do stream live online at www.cfrc.ca. And again, in the second hour, as mentioned in the first hour, uh, we'll continue Here with uh, what will be, again, for the most part, for the next uh, few weeks, uh, and begun now a few weeks ago, you're going to hear uh, more readings uh, over from, again, the uh, Poets at Art Fest 5 uh, festival that ran uh, June 29th through July 1st, uh, a three-day festival tied to... Uh, much larger art fest kingston artist festival uh and uh, in this hour uh, and you heard uh, elizabeth green mention her i had in the first hour uh because she had actually read first just ahead of elizabeth but i had to do them out of order uh just because of a timing thing and fit into the hours so uh This reading, uh, in that same session, you're going to hear readings by Carol Tenbrink and Susan Gillis. And then following them, uh, the first poet in the second full session that afternoon, uh, you'll hear a reading by John Steffler. The usual hourly announcement, though, occasionally some poetry, spoken word, or music played on this show may contain strong language. All played in its entirety, though, with content unedited to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. So up first, again, from that first full session of the second day of the three-day Poets at Art Fest 5 Poetry Festival, here again is and was the first reader in that first full session. Here is Carol Tenbrink. Well, Welcome, everybody, to the first afternoon session of the second day of the fifth year now of this. Wow, five Yeah, it's hard to believe. It's been five years. So thank all of you for coming out. And uh, you're going to hear some incredible poetry this afternoon. And in this first set, someone had to back out, so you're going to hear... Uh, Carol Tenbrink, Elizabeth Green, and Susan Gillis, so up first, Carol Tenbrink is a spoken word poet and storyteller, she has performed around Montreal, Quebec, and Eastern Ontario for around 14 years, Carol says she likes to liven things up, bring verve and spirit to the audience, let's bring up Carol Tenbrink.
7: It's lovely to be here. I'm a, I must have come for three years at least. Anyway, I'm sure it's an institution of Art Fest now. You can't do Art Fest without having Bruce's poetry part. Um, so I'm going to do a few poems for you. This first one is called Who Do You See When You Look at Me? And I, I'm just dating myself. I must have written this. 10 plus years ago? So, yeah, you you may notice that the stuff I'm saying, really, you did that yesterday? Um, (laughs) Who do you see when you look at me? I was born between two parents in a silent war. I was a speck on huge flat land. My mother walked by. Then I was a speck in the sky. Toothbrush tied in a kerchief. I ran away when I was three because my dad messed with me in my bed at night. Mom brought me back home. Later, I tried to solve that, rode my bike at night, out to the Great Lakes, open arms, and there I slept tight. I grew up in Holland, Michigan, wearing wooden shoes, raised on boiled potatoes and cabbage, cheese, and chocolate. I am Dutch on my dad's side, all of them either religious fanatics or expansive libertarians. I must have joined that side. I am spiritually aboriginal on my mom's side, Irish Celt. Family Sheans come from county cork potato famine. I was voted best poet in my eighth grade class. <laughs> and I didn't even know I wrote poetry at that time. I was just writing. Who do you see when you look at me? Just a teen, I marched in civil rights in Selma, Alabama. Stood there before the police, felt the horses' hooves hard. I studied nursing at university, only education ticket dad allowed. Also, at university, I sleepwalked right into Gabriella's bed, but I didn't know then I was gay. I dreamed I could help Dr. Schweitzer in Africa, went to Ethiopia to help build a health clinic among the eucalyptus trees. I was a psych nurse where Leonard Cohen healed and wrote Sisters of Mercy about us, although I've heard many other stories about where Sisters of Mercy songs were from, I can do the Indonesian candle dance as gracefully as a native. I'm overwhelmingly attracted to Asians, Married a Vietnamese guy, a draft dodger. We came to Montreal, <coughs> Quebec, Canada. I can make one hell of a fur soup avec anise et jamb et coriander. I skied big moguls at JP. I don't do that anymore. Who do you see when you look at me? I took 10 years out of adult life to disintegrate, and excavate my wounds, and I'm adding those 10 years back now with gusto and joy. I came out 10, 15, 18 years ago now, and loverated, liberated my spunk and spirit and wild mind. I'm a rhythm witch, dance all night, play djembe, dumbek, and darbuka to call the girls home. I have a totem, great horned owl, who gave herself to me along with seership. I dreamed that a whirling dervish taught me how to dance. dance. So I can trance in lovemaking and warrior when I write. And just today I've been born out of the last social box capable of holding me down, ageism. So watch out all you youth and everybody. I fly so high, so primal I'll burn your little butts <laughs> And I'm still on that anti-ageism track. We got to keep going older people.
2: <laughs>
7: I'm warmed up now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what have I got next Uh, I'm going to do two pieces about musicians from Montreal this first one is called Bye Bye Leonard about Leonard Cohen I don't know if the rest of you kept track but I don't know which came first in 2016 we heard Trump got elected and Leonard Cohen died it was like boom boom one, one day after the other Bye-bye, Leonard. Bye-bye, Leonard. Hello, Trump. The best is gone. The ruins come. We lost a seeker, a gracious soul. We lost our symbol of Montreal. We lost his universal touch. We lost a lover and a monk. We lost a higher mind, a heart that dug so deep. So much lost. What's to keep? We must stand before a bully and do what's right. We must face a racist and keep keep all others in our sight. We must confront male rage with collie's fierceness, and we must ignore the walls and build bridges. We must face our own delusions with plain truth. We must learn and learn fast how to love our Mother Earth. Oh, Leonard, where is there another heart so deep? You say the truth so clear. Only love can make us real. And we're never complete by the end. We just die one day. And know how hard, how hard we did try. We try to learn to love. Leonard bids us steer our way guide our precious hearts may his deep heart ever sound in our ears as we're still waiting for the miracle to come and the next one is about Lhasa, I don't know how many of you know Lhasa an amazing singer who sang in Spanish English and French. French. How could I forget French? Oh my God, the Quebecers will have my neck. Um, All right, I'm mixing up the order. Here she is. Um, For those of you who don't know, um, she was a Montreal singer. She died January first, 2010. She wasn't very old. Born in 72. She sang like a gypsy all over the world. Lassa sang in French, English, and Spanish. She was born of an American mother, a Mexican father, and she spent her childhood crisscrossing the U.S. and Mexico on caravan in a converted school bus. Later, later hippies, I guess they were. So she came by her gypsy travels and her cultural entwining ways quite naturally. This poem is from a dream I had. It's pretty much straight the dream. Yes, there was duende on the tarmac. Duende, that physical passion that some artists can transmit. Think Argentinian tango, think spirit possession. Yes, Lassa came to me in a dream. Her earth passion came, her demon spirit came. Duende vestido de blanco, duende de rito fino. Through dream audio, she was singing to me, I reach into you, and you reach into me, and we sing, oh, we sing from there. The rhythm was tango. I reach into you, and you reach into me, and we sing, oh, we sing from there. But she's not singing to me in this dream. Its video switches to an airport. Lassa is stepping down the ladder from a plane. As he runs toward her, and I can tell it's not just any he, it's her boy, duende, the one whose face is fire, the one whose body's on fire. La lumière de ton visage, la lumière de ton corps. He's the one who put the prayer into her mouth. He's leaping through air right out there on the tarmac. How did he get there? My dream self wonders. Out of arrivals bay, out of the terminals, past all the security. As her feet touch ground and her pace quickens, he hurls himself. They collide like hurricane wind hitting shore. He's so skinny, so tall. She's so small. They embrace and fall to the ground right out there on the tarmac. They collide like a hurricane wind hitting shore and they lay down together all alone in their moment where all of us can see. He's so skinny, so tall, she's so small. And from the distance, we can just see bits of bodies and cloth entwined as they rock back and forth, back and forth, just rocking out there on the runway. I reach into you, and you reach into me, and we sing, oh, we sing from there. But what we voyeurs can't see, we feel. Their energy explodes. Nearby cameras flash lightning, a photo that went around the world and wound like sinew to hold us all together. My dream self knows this is a picture of what we all hunger for a big bang love a cosmic spark this was the beginning of her duende singing singing like a sinew to hold us all together she got up off the tarmac and she sang she wove languages and continents together she sang Duende la cueno profundo tierra y amor. Duende la cueno profundo tierra y amor. She sang from the marrow of her bones. From a deep, deep tear in the earth she sang. And the rhythm was tango. I reach into you and you reach into me and we sing, oh, we sing from there. She sang love, and she sang something much older than love. She touched an ache where we all can feel our dark beginnings. We could feel, perhaps, we've been torn from some other galaxy. She sang the tears of our primal departure. Her voice so true, her light so strong, her power so dark. She came to us from so far away, from a place so deep we're still longing for. And then she departed as quickly as she came. Duende muerta, duende sudor, duende muerta, duende sudor. Was she too much for us to bear for long? Or were we? and are stumbling across her light, too crude, too awkward. We love you, Lassa. You are gone. Your voice remains. And this is what we hear. I reach into you, and you reach into me. And we sing, oh, we sing from there. Aw, thank you. <laughs> okay, I hear their voices. Time for the drum. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, uh, this is my friend Mandy Green, and she kindly agreed to to hold the poem for me. <laughs> like sometimes people do with me. Which side mutants. is best? Uh, let's see, which side which, is which, best. Which oh yeah, to drum on? Um, yeah, maybe I'll be over here. Perfect, the okay. kind of on this side.
6: Okay.
2: I'll try not to flick the page too much. From the book. Yeah,
7: but the yeah. Best, the best <laughs> I do not you lose your it'll spot? It'll all be good. No, no, okay. it'll all be good if you have to flick, flick. Okay, can you read that? Is that good? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Okay. Um, this poem is about Indigenous people in Canada. It's called "I Hear Their Voices." I hear the First Nations, Indigenous Inuit people of Canada. They rise up. Idle no more. They want to speak to us. Listen. It's time. Listen to their drums. Listen to them chant. I hear urgent voices. We are the First Nations of the West Coast, the Coola, Squamish, Qualicum, Naniam, Namisquiam, Fraser River, Salish, Malahat, Haida, Nootka, Tlingnet, and others. You don't know us, do you? We were here since the beginning of the beginning. We rose out of the dark. We go deep as the Pacific Ocean. And today, we are a tidal wave, rising. And I hear more voices. We are the First Nations of the Plains. The Anishinaabe, Ojibwe, Blackfoot, Kaina, Nakoda, Assiniboine, Okinagan, Yakama, and others. You don't know us. But we are old as wind and our spirits are invisible to you, like wind that blasts and blares all the way across the plains. Today we are rabble-rousing. And I hear, we are the First Nations of the Western Sub-Arctic, the Dene, Cree, Chippewa and Slavey, Yellowknives, Tagish and others, you don't know us but our spirits always danced up north above you, and today we're the northern lights dancing again all over our land. canada come, dance with us. And I hear, we are the First Nations of the Woodlands, the Algonquin, Nipissingh, Ojikri, Potawatomi, and the Urue, the Inu Montagne, Métis, and others. You don't know us. We are the red race, red as a ruby cardinal, and today we fly again, we sing red songs. Come, listen, join us. And I hear, we are the First Nations of the St. Lawrence Valley, the Haudenosaunee, who you call Iroquois. We are the Cayuga, Mohawk, Oneida, Seneca, and Tuscarora. We are the Huron, Muncie branch of the Delawares, Tobacco, Wyandotte, and others. You hardly know us, though we live right here, on Turtle Island with you. We belong to this land, Mother Earth, and today we speak up for her. Come, join us, she needs our help. And I hear, we are the first nations of the Arctic and the Atlantic, the Inuit, Wabanaki, Mingan, Nasiquam, Innu, Malisek, Mi'kmaq, Pasakwadi, and others. You don't know us, but we greeted the first white settlers, your ancestors. We helped them survive. We smoked peace pipes together. We signed land treaties, treaties of cooperation. Whether you honor those treaties or no, we now claim our lands. We're colonial no more. Come, join us. Shake hands with us and listen. Now... I seem to hear all their voices rising up together to say, in all our nations we must speak to you right now. We are not assimilated, though some of your peoples took our lands, our children, though they choked our languages and our cultures, and many of you still ignore our plight we rise now and we're still here since time immemorial we are all still here 613 surviving first nations in canada and it's time we get acquainted it's high time we shake hands we must speak together as fellow nations sharing this land on your city buses you hear french english farsi patois chinese But do you hear any Anishinaki or Cree or Inuktitut or Mi'kmaq, Haudenosaunee, Mohawk? Probably no. Why is that? Bright red, bright red, fire red voices say, we have lived beside you as exiles on this land long enough. We've lived next to you as a diminished solitude long enough. We have learned your languages and now we... We'll speak, listen, listen well. You can't deny us anymore. All over this country, Canada, in cities, on roads, our sacred lands, we will continue to gather, to circle dance, to drum, to sing without ceasing. The red civil rights movement gains force. We feel a mighty resurgence. Our tide has turned and a tidal wave keeps rising and rising and rising <laughs> Messy, everybody.
0: <Messy>, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, that's mm-hmm. Carol Tenbrink. Let's give her another hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you did just hear a reading by Carol Tenbrink in the first full session and she was the first poet in that full uh, full set first full session on the second day, Sunday of the three-day Poets at Art Fest Five Poetry Festival. And up next in that following session that day, uh, you're going to hear Susan Gillis. Up next, Susan Gillis, winner, uh, winner? She's a winner, too. <laughs> Writer and editor, Susan Gillis, has written four books of poetry, including Volta, which won the A.M. Klein Prize, and most recently, Yellow Crane, Uh, a love poem to the city of Montreal and a meditation on our times. She's a member of the collaborative poetry group, Yoko's Dogs, and co-hosts the online journal of Microforms Halibut. Let's bring up Susan Gillis.
4: Uh, It's so wonderful to Read to all of you and the mosquitoes. I had no idea they were such fond lovers of the yeah, poetic arts. You know oh, them. you know, I don't know about you guys, but they're swarming me. Is it just? Yeah, yeah, it's okay. So I, I'll I'll read fast and not try your patience. <laughs> Spray me! Oh, <laughs> you <go>. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, it smells so good. Okay. <laughs> Thank you a lot, really. Um, so, uh, as Bruce mentioned, I, I work with uh, three other poets, Mary Di Michele, Jane Munro, and Jan Kahn, in a group called Yoko's Dogs. We, um, we write together, and uh, after we sort of argue everything through, then we erase our names from everything we write, so it's all... Um, written by all of us. And I'll, I'll start with uh, one poem from our, our book, Whisk, which came out in 2013. This is called Lofty Sky, a title we stole from war and peace. Uh, there's a little moment when Prince Andre is lying on the ground thinking he's dying. It's, you know, well, no spoilers. <laughs> 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 um, and, you know, sky. <laughs> Lobster season. We weave home after the feast as the boats head out again. A robin eyes me in, the, in my bath, turns, looks again. In the fly's eye, the compound eye, am I one or many? Lofty sky, we are all so small. <laughs> um, Yeah, so that was uh, Yoko's dogs, so thanks to those three for um, permission to read alone. (laughs) Uh, I recently moved um, to this area, well a little northeast of here around the town of Perth, uh, recently like two weeks ago, so (laughs) I still have boxes, I I don't know what's in them, but I did find my copies of uh, Yellow Crane so I can can read a couple of poems from there. uh, this is called Salamander. Around here, most cattle farms have gone the way of the railroad. I drive along Highway 7 toward town, past many beauties, some natural, some ramshackle, including a boarded up former motel and restaurant I would have found convenient. Sometimes I fantasize about taking over the lease and reopening it as a really happening joint. <laughs> That idea lasts until about the next bend in the road. (laughs) Across the highway from the motel, Silver Lake shimmers like a cocktail at noon, like the weekend you're about to spend with your lover. I come to the point thick with pine trees and whiz on by. Often, just before I get to the point, I notice two deeply suntanned men sitting on a floating dock, deck, dock, below the highway. Further along, there's a shady pasture that rises up on the lakeside where the road turns away, cows in it that might be shadows or boulders. I have to be careful on this corner because, in a way, I'm driving not just through space but also through time, and hey, I'm driving a ghost car through a theme park
2: panorama.
4: (laughs) On the way back, after a refreshing fill-up at Bob's Petrocan and a quick duck into the Fresh Mart, the lake is on my left and on my right, the real rolling fields open up, grand, dotted with hay bales, and looking very modern. Some of the lakeside campsites at Silver Lake are so close to the road, I can just about read the tent labels. Once, out on a walk, I watched a salamander cross the road. Salamanders have a distinctive way of moving. that's often compared to licking flames. The left back foot darts forward, then the left front, then in a little bursting twitch, the right back foot darts, then the right front, and so on. If I don't write all this down, it will eat me up. Just like that little flame licking across the road, mid-morning it was, and the sky darkened. I couldn't see anything else for a good while after. It gushed rain. Then a bittern flew up from the marsh. Um, one of the um, poems that this book is built around is uh, a long poem in multiple parts called Obelisk. and. Um, Uh, I'll start at the beginning and read all the way through. (laughs) So so I'll read, uh, actually, it's the last one in this series. When the bear came, I was searching for blackberries near the quarry. I had already walked through a wet hollow where wild mint grew and gathered some. I was carrying the mint in my pocket, pinching it and sniffing its oil on my fingers. When the movement came, a dark fleck drifting down the side of my vision. The bear did not notice me till I stepped back, brambles grazing my arms and face. A shadow moved in and settled, enclosing us, a shadow with an odor like mineral ash. I don't know why, but I held out the bunch of mint, held it straight out from my chest at arm's length, held it still, Nothing but brambles supporting me. The bear studied me, then grunted and turned over a rock, swatted the ground she'd opened and moved off into the woods, which folded around her. And uh, the other, well, there are some short poems in the book, but the other sort of pivot point, I guess, or anchor point um, is uh, a long poem that's the the, the sort of uh, love poem to the city of Montreal, which I've just left two weeks ago, (laughs) as I said. (laughs) Um, So I'll read one short piece from this poem and uh, another short one by Jocos Dogs to close us out. Um, Towards the end of his life, my father, when... uh, you know, when he was no longer really mobile, developed a a, a lovely little um, turn of phrase that he would use over and over again when he needed some help with something. You might pass me that uh, calendar, Sudi, or you know, you might uh, you know dig down the rest of that grapefruit, or you know, you might pull the curtain down there against the sun. <laughs> and, <you> know, <laughs> drove us crazy, <laughs> um, but of course we always did. There was no might about it. <laughs> When form changes, meaning changes. But my father's gaze is my father's gaze, whether I'm beside him with my hand on his good arm or just looking at him in a photograph or catching his grin in the last few leaves of the maple flashing and waving. Summoned is a mild word for it. I reach up to the curtains and if I'm not careful, I'll pull the whole contraption down. Thank you. Birthday is two days. There you go. (laughs) This is from Yoko's dog's rhinoceros. Slippage. Slipping my shoes on, I steady myself on my friend's shoulder. Do not blame the wine, blame the glasses. (laughs)
6: <laughs> Thank you.
0: What's well, Susan Gillis, let's give her another hand. And for the three of them, Carol, Elizabeth, and Susan, another round. And you just heard a reading by Susan Gillis uh, from the first full session of the second day of the three-day Poets at Art Fest uh, 5 Poetry Festival that ran from uh, June 29th uh, through the 30. Uh, through the, <laughs> I'm sorry, June 29th through July 1st. How's that? Tell you what, let's do this. I'll be right back. I'm David Suzuki. Catch the bus. Just one bus means 40 fewer vehicles on the road and nine tons of pollution out of the air. Not bad for a couple of bucks. The future is in your hands. Get around smarter at
2: davidsuzuki.org.
5: Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. Sit,
3: sit back, relax, listen to some hip-hop With the premium plus product A non rockin' so it's time to go 60 DJ professional rockin' the show, show.
7: The fantastic Dollar bill every Friday night
2: at 9 p.m. sky sit
3: uh, back, relax, listen to some hip-hop show. On the Premium uh, Plus show Friday night sweater on the ground the hot 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 you? Oh, Just remember the party time starts at 9 and
5: doesn't end until 10 <laughs> I'll be I mean, If there's a listener-supported radio station, it means that people can get daily, every day, a different way of looking at the world Not just what the corporate media want you to see but a different picture, different understanding, but a different picture, a different understanding. Not only can you hear it, but you can participate in it. You can add your own thoughts, you know, and you can learn something and so on. Well, that's the way,
0: uh, well, that's the way, uh, well, that's the way uh, people become uh,
5: human, you know. That's the way you become human participants in a, in a social and political system.
4: Do you like to dance? Tune into The Hustle with DJ Bolt every Friday night between 11 p.m. and midnight, where you'll hear all the newest dance, electronic, French touch, booty bass, ghetto, deep, and tech house remixes and more. Let The Hustle take you to midnight and beyond at 11 p.m. on 4 to the Floor Fridays, only on CFRC 101.9FM.
0: And you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carithers Hall, Queens University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce. I'm here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. And we do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. Uh, Coming up next, we're going to slide now into the second session of the second day of that three day Poets at Art Fest 5 Poetry Festival. And uh, be the last reader I air today, but he was the first reader of that second session that day. Here is John Steffler. Welcome everybody to the second. Is it the second uh, second session this afternoon? We're just about midway through this three-day event. It doesn't seem possible. So, thank you those of you who came out for coming out. Up first, John Steffler is the author of eight books of poetry, including The Gray Islands and Lookout, which was shortlisted for the Griffin Prize. He has also written two novels, The Afterlight of George Cartwright and uh, German Mills. His most recent book is 41 Pages on Poetry, Language, and Wilderness, University of Regina Press, 2019, and from 2006 to 2009, he was Poet Laureate of Canada. His next collection, and yet, will be published by MS in 2020. Let's bring up John Steffler.
5: Thank you, Bruce, and uh, thank you for inviting me, including me in, uh, in this reading series. I'm going to have to speak a bit louder, yeah, and, uh, yeah, and thank you for, for running this series for, for five years. Uh, I'm just going to read four poems. Can you hear me okay? Is it, yeah, yeah, okay. I,
6: I can.
5: <laughs> can you? Can you? I, okay. Anyway, move in a little closer if it's if it's if I'm quiet uh, back at the edge. See, so okay, something on my. No, nose. That was just me. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's
2: very
5: good. I'm going to read four poems. They, they, they all each of these uh, these are new. They're going to be in the new collection next year. Um, in each of them I revisit and uh, explore my past and uh, and I think in the process also um, my culture in a sense and I, I hope um, uh, that you find some connection with your own sense of your culture and your past. Uh, the first one has to do with a visit to the one-room school museum here in Kingston. Have any of you been to this museum? Yeah, yeah. I urge you to go. There is this funny little museum in Kingston called the One Room School Museum. And uh, I myself went to a one room school. Uh, I went to this museum a few years ago in company with uh, Phil Hall, uh, who I thought would be here. I'm going to get him for not being here. And, uh, and also Joanne Page. And I dedicate this poem to the memory of Joanne Page, uh, a very important and dynamic Kingston poet, journalist, and visual artist and uh, in honor of her courage and honesty and sense of justice and sense of community. This is called We Make Our Long Talked About Trip to the One-Room School Museum. (laughs) Sharp off the lake, the November wind we shoulder into feels like 1953. The museum, a belfry, three tall windows alongside. Is it really my old school waiting down this street? We're small again, all urges and don'ts. The door thuds shut, museum air. No schoolroom stress fug. No wet boots, chalk-sweat, coal smoke, stale bread, ghost. This used to be a Masonic lodge, the director says, leading us to the cabinets, rows of rulers and nibs. He shows Phil an oleograph flip chart of the body's organs. Joanne talks with his volunteers, three white-haired ladies pasting wildflowers on greeting cards as they did in grade three. Past the labeled erasers, I lean toward tacked up photographs. A raw dirt yard tilts, glaring, humid, under loud June trees. We're lined up, backs to the hot school wall, squinting beside Miss Duncan, who acts happy and strange. I hold still. I'm not even picking my knuckle warts. I'm watching the man poise his camera on its three long legs, his, his smooth movements. I now know why miss Duncan's wearing a white blouse and brooch. At my left, Wayne, horse-smell brown, elbows my ribs, his face a gray blur. At my right, Sandra Dooley's warm, placid arm, wood smoke, pee. The man ducks behind the black accordion. Its eye blinks like shears slicing a chunk of day. If you sing before breakfast, you cry before lunch. Lightning strikes the mocker. Death slips in by the empty cupboard and cold stove. They want to land, these children want somehow to land. They don't know where their ache pulls to some small, far, sickening, strange. They need to walk in plain hello after seeing after gutted bear howl to say is when it isn't. To be still here, you still here too. In the mock-up classroom, we sit at small desks. Phil says, When the local doctor came to their school to talk about health and asked if there were any questions, Phil raised his hand and asked where tears come from. The doctor beckoned him to the front of the room, took down the photo of Queen Elizabeth and got Phil to look very closely into the corner of the Queen's eye where he could see tiny little holes Where tears come out. On the last day of school in June, I say, our teacher got us to bring razor blades or knives or straight-edged shards of glass so we could scrape our desktops clean of the ink stains, initials, and doodles we'd left there during the year. That's true. Now they don't let kids bring weapons to school, right? We were told, bring knives, bring razor blades. she scrape the wood clean. Joanne remembers the hatred she felt for her grade 8 teacher. He was so cruel, she says, her friend would throw up before class. And then in December, the teacher read a Christmas carol to the class and broke down crying sitting there in front of them on a desk, a sight that caused Joanne's hatred to open and show an unhappy human. And as the man sobbed and read and sobbed, Joanne watched the boy in the desk nearest to him dipping the hem of the teacher's jacket into his inkwell and the ink soaking higher and higher up the flank of the miserable grey tweed. A stack of blackboard slates leans against a wall, each piece five feet square and more than half an inch thick, their edges still bearing the marks of the stone saw's teeth. They're for sale, and I want one. I want one of these black rectangles still charged with the quarry where it was cut the 19th century men carefully prying and rasping it free, the horses that hauled it a hundred miles, packed in straw without breaking it, the carpenters who installed it in some now-demolished school where generations of words and numbers were smacked across it, the chalk clacking, sometimes snapping or screeching, leaving a white scar, i want one of these smooth smooth stone sheets to do what with i don't know it will just be me and a blackboard slate in a white room with floor to ceiling windows facing south and another memory poem My father taught himself arc welding. Alone in the cellar, he wired the welder directly into the fuse panel's main feed. And every evening, billows of burnt metal smoke pulsing with green-blue light boiled from the open cellar door next to the kitchen. (laughs) Carried off by mosquitoes. Um okay. Every evening, billows of burnt metal smoke pulsing with green blue light boiled from the open cellar door next to the kitchen. Zot 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 he was down there in gauntlets and dark lensed helmet bent over the sparking rod, while the lamps and ceiling bulbs and the rest of the house wilted to migraine brown and I Love Lucy shrank to a white dot on the TV screen. (laughs) We sat in the dark, the room racked by electric fits filled with vaporized steel. We could only wait. He was under a spell, determined to master the incendiary stitch that fused metal to metal, and to waken him would have unleashed something worse I've always believed in I guess something like poltergeists the the idea or it seems to me fact that strong human emotion unexpressed or unprocessed unvented emotion can have an influence on at certain times can have an influence on physical objects and certainly an influence on other humans and creatures. Maybe, uh, wait for the Sorry? I'll just wait a minute. Yeah. It's getting really loud. That's not a big mosquito.
2: I think that
4: mosquitoes are a manifestation of our joy.
5: Okay, this, this is called Disturbance from an Empty Room. My sister moved out at 15 and the fighting stopped. And for months I heard my parents' footsteps in separate parts of the house, and the silence of her room rang in my ears. I was 10. I spent days alone in the barn's loft building a hay fort, a thick-walled cave in the high cavernous space with its blades of dusty light in the stillness above the stall where her horse had snorted and paced, where one fall Saturday afternoon in my dark burrow, talking out loud to imagined people, I pushed my hand out through a seam in the bale wall to feel fresh air or imagined rain. And a hand seized my hand. A dry, cool, flat-palmed, barky, strong hand gripped my outthrust palm where I couldn't see it and pulled it silently for a long time. I was silent too my shoulder and cheek drawn tight to the stubble wall. And then the hand let go and I crawled to the fort's low door and looked out, not knowing who or what I'd find. It was honor and the need to claim sensible business that drew me out. And there was Barry Knox, a boy a year ahead of me in school who had never visited me before. I said, oh, hi, as though he'd knocked and I'd opened the front door. And he seemed to have just awakened from sleepwalking with no better idea than I had of what he was doing there. And finally, a piece called 23. Uh, The the farm, or quasi-farm I grew up on, was just north of Toronto, and by the late 60s, early 70s, you could literally see the suburbs of Toronto, subdivisions, coming from the south, closer and closer, like, you know, Burnham Wood coming to Dunsinet. I could see that. 23 as long as i had a mind i was thinking i was 23 married that spring my wife and i lying on the grass behind the house where i'd grown up as long as i had pictures on my screen i was thinking i wouldn't care what they were they could be ragged claws scuttling it wouldn't matter i wouldn't care we lay on our backs on a blanket and what i knew was the farms last summer earth-moving machines were snorting diesel clouds just over the hill, just over the hill rows of houses were going up. As long as I was a witness, it wouldn't matter if I was one-eared, poor, alone, I was 23, my young wife and I side by side on a blanket all that afternoon, watching the light travel and slant, and the light-soaked clouds build and dissolve and build from nothing but fine, fine blue, the moving, the moving forward world, wearing and tumbling, I thought was what I was. I thought I'd always be a kind of smile, a screen with the feel of a smile, with something filling it. I was wise, I was strong, I wasn't afraid of what would come. There were years and years ahead of us over the hills. Sky and more sky, I thought. As long as I had a mind, it wouldn't matter what it held, what it played over and over. I was invulnerable. I was 23. I knew that awareness and victory are the same thing. The world is all story. It can't help being story. And whatever that story would be, would be mine. Uh, you'll let him learn. John Steffler, let's give him another
0: hand. Yeah. And you just heard a reading by John Steffler as we began uh, the second session of the second day of the three-day Poets at Art Fest 5 poetry festival again uh, it was a or that event uh, that full event was part of the three day larger art fest Kingston 2019 uh, which ran from June 29th through July 1st and I hope you can tune in next week to catch more readings from the second day and then uh, into the next few weeks as we bring out all 56 poets who were part of that event uh, i should mention uh well you know it's getting to that point i think i'm going to throw a little music on to take us over to the next show i'd like to thank you for tuning in today uh you have been listening to finding a voice here on cfrc 101.9 fm we are located in lower corrett's hall queen's university kingston ontario my name is bruce here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6. We do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. Uh, I want to remind you as well that uh, each hour of this show is, uh, each week actually, is uploaded to my blog space for it shortly after the show ends, and we'll remain there for four years at finding a voice on cfrcfm.wordpress.com. Again, thanks for tuning in today and hope you can stay tuned at the top of the hour. Two hours of East Coast music in a show called Saltwater Music, hosted by Rob Carnell. Again, thanks for tuning in and catch you here next week. Here is Mazzy Star.